be holy. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, well, good morning, everyone. It's lovely to see you here. My name's Edward Millet, if you're visiting or you're a guest. I'm the minister at Emmanuel uh, Chesham. Uh, it's great to see you. If you're joining us uh, online uh, as well, uh, you're most welcome here today as we think about uh, holiness. Uh, and can I say, before we start, just commend to you um, the women's breakfast. Would you do, gentlemen, I commend that to you. If you are a uh, spouse, will you please make sure that your wives can get out the door to get to that. That is a way that we can be proactive in our spiritual leadership and get them uh, to something that will be of great encouragement. So I encourage you guys to do whatever you can to make sure they get out the door for that. Um, today we're thinking about holiness. It's, it's thematic teaching at the minute. It's not what we normally do. Normally we like God to set the agenda, so we pick a, a book of the Bible and we walk our way through it. But we're at just at the beginning of this year doing a number of thematic talks, which is what we'll sort of normally do. Uh, we thought last week about how, uh, from, um, uh, from the letter of Corinthians to Corinthians, chapter 5, uh, how we are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone and the new has come. We're thinking about that we want to resolve to live like that new creation. Uh, and this uh, morning, we're going to think about holiness and a bit more about why we want to do that, why we want to be holy, and uh, how we might go about thinking about that for the new year. Now, unfortunately, I do have about uh, two or three hours' worth of material, but the good news is it started raining, so we've got nowhere to go. <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray, uh, and then I'm going to endeavour to give us 20 minutes, about five minutes on what is holiness, um, why do we want to be holy and then um, think a bit about what at the end uh, how do we get about doing that so let us uh, pray before we start well, we praise you heavenly father we glorify you and worship you as that holy God only a holy God would come and rescue people like us who are so unholy and Lord we thank you that you welcome all unholiness into your presence to be washed through in the precious blood of Christ, chosen before time, 
so that we might be your children. We praise you and glorify you for that. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to do what we were learning last week, to resolve to live as the new creations we already are. Help us, Lord, with our holiness, that we might have life to the full and that we might glorify your name. And we thank you, Lord, that you do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Uh, at that amazing power that's at work by your spirit in us. And pray, Lord, that you'd be doing that this morning. Amen. So I want, to, I want to encourage you, as I've been encouraged, as I thought about this topic, about holiness, that it's great that you want to press on uh, towards God and the joy of being holy in the new year. Um, and what I want you to take home is actually by our holiness to enjoy the gospel and display the joy of it to the world. That's what I'm hoping we take home. Um, you might be thinking, why on earth are we uh, listening to holiness? You've got no idea what that is. You are most welcome here. If you think, actually, uh, holiness is something that just refers to jumpers or Christmas socks that have already gone wrong. That's not what we're talking about this morning, uh, but from 1 Peter uh, 1.13, we're talking about, uh, in that verse 16... Have that chapter open in front of you, if you would. Uh, it is written, be holy because I am holy. Uh, we're called to be uh, holy by God. Um, now, And we're called to do that in verse 13 with minds that are alert and fully sober. Why does it say that? It says that because there is confusion and wrong thinking and deception about what holiness is and how we are to be holy. Some might think holiness is about doing and being seen to do the right thing. Some might think that holiness is a sort of one-and-done, shot-in-the-arm spiritual experience. Still others might think that holiness means you're just going to be boring and narrow-minded. Uh, maybe when you think of holiness, you have a picture of a grumpy Puritan, those guys that dressed in black with the funny white hats and the white collars, standing there looking very holy, a.k.a. miserable. Maybe you feel a hypocrite talking about holiness. You feel a hypocrite because it means that you're pretending to be something that you're not. And we hear that criticism in our culture, don't you? They have that holier-than-thou attitude. And actually, I'm not, I'm not, I don't make any claims to being holy. And actually, to talk about it makes me feel like a hypocrite. Or maybe it is just the Christmas socks that have already got a hole in them. How does that even happen? What does our culture say? Our culture says to deny yourself and to deny your sins is a cardinal sin. That's the worst possible thing you can do. I've just got to be true to myself, is what our culture says. But what Jesus says in Luke 9 is take up your cross, deny yourself, lose your life for my sake and you will save it. What he says is don't be true to yourself. Be true to your Jesus self. Resolve to live as the new creation you are, to be holy. So you can see there's a big clash already, can't you, between holiness and what the, the culture that we swim in says. And so we want to think, okay, well, what, how can we be sober-minded and alert and acknowledge that and think through holiness as we come to this passage? We've got to see that holiness is brilliant and it's good and it's life to the full. And that that is worth having, worth fighting for, and worth pressing on as hard as you can, rather than 
as little as you can get away with. Anyone do that? I'm a bit like that. How many drinks can I get away with before it's sort of not holy? You know, what kind of movie can I get away with watching before actually someone might think that's not very godly? Does anyone else do that? I want to turn that upside down and say, no, no, no. Let's think about holiness. What's the most I can do to be holy? Because it's that brilliant. So first of all, what is it? What does the word holy mean? Now, when you're doing a thematic sort of thinking, the way you want to do it is a little bit like this passage. You start with God, and then you come down through God's people in the Old Testament. You go through the cross and Jesus, and then you go on to the new creation. We're going to do a little bit of that right now on what holy means. Holiness at the start just means being set apart. You are set apart from the world for God. Let's think about God. God is holy. What that means is, is that he's set apart from his creation. He is the creator. In his very nature, he is perfect in every way and eternal. He is not like the world. He's set apart from it. And that is why God is holy and why the place where he exists becomes holy, whether it's the burning bush with Moses or whether it's the temple in the Old Testament. So it means being set apart. In Genesis 2, 3, uh, and all the way through the Bible, when we refer to the Sabbath, that is the day of rest, that is set apart as a holy day. It is holy because it is set apart. That's where we get our, our word holiday from. It's a day that is holy because it's set apart from work. It's different from work. It's where you rest. See that? Set apart. Uh, the items of the temple in the Old Testament. Don't worry if you've got no idea what that is. But there's a whole lot of tools in the Old Testament. And they're said to be holy. That is because they are not like your kitchen fork and knife. And your, I don't know, whatever other kitchen implement I can't think of at the minute. Your whisk. They are set apart for God. They are not ordinary household knives and forks. In Exodus 19.6, we read the same is true of God's people. <coughs> And they are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And they're called to be holy in Exodus 31, verse 13, which is what is quoted here in our passage in verse 16. Be holy because I'm holy. The idea is, is that God's people have always been set apart from the rest of the people in the world and from the world itself because they are gods. And so they have a different nature a different way of life, a different laws. They live in a different way. Uh, in Romans uh, 7.12, we hear that God's law is holy because the way that God tells us how to live is set apart. It is different. That's because he's different. And so rightly, his law and his word is different. Jesus is described as the holy one of God by, uh, by the demons in Luke 4.34 and in John 6 as well. Jesus is holy, isn't he? Because he is very much set apart. He is different, like nothing else, isn't he? So the theme that we see in our reading here, in 1 Peter 1.16, is uh, <clears throat> just as he called you... Oh, I've lost it. Hang on a minute. There you are, verse 15. But just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. So can you see... Um, because God is different and set apart, it means that we are to be holy and different and set apart from the world. And God's so intent upon that, that that is the purpose of his son coming to die on the cross. 
to make us a holy people without blemish. In Ephesians 5, or here in Hebrews 10.10, listen to this. Uh, By that will of God, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Isn't that right? So brilliantly, you being set apart and different isn't reliant upon you wearing the right clothes. Or, or it's actually reliant upon Jesus having died for you. That's what makes you holy and set apart. And most importantly of all, the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in Christ's people. We are become the temple of God in Ephesians 2, the place where God lives, set apart from the rest of the world. Isn't that incredible? So here, gathered here today, is the temple of God where the Holy Spirit lives. That is what makes you guys very, very different from the rest of the world. But there's also, we're holy because God is holy, but also there's a sense that we're already, we're sort of already holy, but we're, and we're set apart by trusting in Christ's sacrifice and the presence of the Spirit, but also we're realising that in our own lives. So we're, we're holy, but we're sort of not yet, we're working on it. We're holy in God's eyes, but these days we're working on being holy. And that's why we have this command here, be holy because I am holy. You're already sanctified, now be holy. That's what 1 Corinthians 1 starts with, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. Do you see that? To those sanctified in Christ Jesus, you've already been made holy in Jesus, and now you are called to be his holy people. So we covered that a bit last week when we thought about we're a new creation. The new has come, the old has gone. And that means it's like we're sort of already part of the royal family. We're royal children, and so we have royal manners. We behave in a different way. And whether or not we get that wrong doesn't stop us from being royal children. It's a bit like that. We're holy, but we're also realising how to be holy. And then finally, as we reach, you know, we've gone all through, through the Bible there, haven't we? And now we get to the end. Every, uh, we have every hope that we will be perfectly holy when Jesus comes again or we are in heaven. Can you see what it says there? Um, As obedient, uh, oh no, I've missed it, there it is. Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. So at the end of time, when Jesus comes again to gather in his holy people, his glory will be revealed in you and I. We will be shown to be holy and we will become perfectly holy on that final day. Revelation 21 is a picture of the holy city of God coming out of the sky to his holy people for them to dwell in it forever. Set apart in perfection and wonder and beauty and fruitfulness for all time, just like God. God is holy because he's set apart from the world in his perfection and glory. So everything and everyone attached to him is set apart from the world in that same way. And it was his will in Christ to make us holy, which he did, and now we are realising that in our life of obedience to his command to be holy. And one day we will see that perfect nature and glory in ourselves when we are with him in heaven. Just like being adopted into that royal family which actually maybe doesn't look so appealing at the minute. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like being adopted into the royal family, isn't it? And, and now we're working out, yeah, one day I'm going to be in the palace. And I'm working out how to be a royal now, how to do different things, how to treat 
uh, uh, people differently, how to dress differently, how to speak differently. And one day I'll be in that palace. Can you see how being holy is much more than just being seen to be good by the world? It's not that. It's more even than just being morally good in the eyes of God. It's actually being set apart and being different from the world in the same way that God and Jesus and his Holy Spirit are different from the world, are glorious and perfect. That's what we're doing. So holiness is not to do with faulty Christmas socks. It's not hypocritical because if we've been washed through the blood of Christ, we are holy and now we're working that out and putting on Christ's righteousness and holiness. And it's not about life sucking. It's not about ruining your fun, but it's life giving because we are set apart in the same way that God, the most maximally full of life and perfection and glory, we're set apart in the same way and nature is Jesus, the most wonderful person who ever lived. We're set apart in the most dynamic and powerful way that the Holy Spirit is. That's what holiness is. We're becoming like God. So we've got to think, haven't we, well, why bother? So here, a few reasons on why bother. First of all, without holiness, you will not see the Lord. Without holiness, you will not see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14 says, Strive for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. I want to be totally clear. That does not mean that being holy, being different from the world, saves you. Only one thing is necessary to see the Lord and in heaven, and that is faith in Jesus Christ and living him with, with, with him as your Lord. What this means is, is that a Christian who is not interested in changing their life to fit with Jesus' will and character and to be different from the world as God is, is not really any Christian at all. It's like a sunny, calling it a sunny day without the light of the sun everywhere that warms and gives life. That's not really a sunny day, is it? Without the genuine faith in Christ, we will not see the Lord. We will not see life. And holiness, it's not just about signalling our virtues, but it's about living out, being that Christian. Hence, 1 Peter 14 says, as obedient children, it assumes a loving and good parent. Uh, children want to follow and obey to become like that parent. Uh, parents shaping them into being lovely people, but it requires obedience, being like uh, uh, the father. And so there's a danger of messy Christianity to our holiness. Think that it's okay to be messy Christians and leave it at that. But, Christ, but Jesus, Jesus didn't die to make us messy Christians. He died to make us perfect new creations, to make us holy. Now it's okay to be a mess. And the mess should be in here. But we should never be content with the mess. Or boasting of the mess. Or saying, that's just who I am. You're not. You're a new creation in Christ. And so am I wonderfully, amazingly. And so be holy. Strive towards that. Because God is holy. We're always striving to that. So, uh, we... It's necessary to see, uh, see the Lord, but also, here's another reason why we want to be holy, is we're commanded to grow in holiness. So that's what we're getting here, isn't it? 1 Peter 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, in everything. 
Be set apart like God is set apart. The same the Lord commands us in 1 Timothy 4. Train yourself for godliness, he says in verse 7. When we think uh, of such commands uh, that we get in the Bible that tell us to be different, and we find them really hard, uh, we, you know, we think those commands are bad or not good for us. Our problem is with the goodness of the giver of those commands. God himself says we are saying, uh, you know, what we're doing, if we're struggling with the goodness of God's commands to be holy, is we're saying actually the, those commands are not good. And therefore we're saying that the giver of those commands is not good. Which actually we know is not true if we look at the cross, isn't it? That's one of the reasons why we struggle to obey this command to grow in holiness. is because we doubt that God is good. So we've got to keep coming back to the cross. We've got to keep doing that to do what it says in 1 Peter 1. Do not conform to the evil desires of your heart. That's interesting, isn't it? Because what our culture says is your heart decides what is good and what is not. Do what your heart says. What does your heart say to you? Follow that. But actually, what's more good and perfect? The desires of my often sinful heart or the creator who dies for me, though I am his enemy? So we willingly and with enthusiasm press into being holy and obeying the commands that God gives us even when we read them and we think, how can that be good? Are you ready to obey God, to be holy, without understanding why it is good? We're not called here to understand what is good and then follow that. We're called here to be holy. And there's a warning for us in 1 Thessalonians 4 against rejecting that are called not to be impure but holy, that the rejection is a, a, re, not, is a rejection of, uh, not a rejection of man, but a rejection of God who gives you the Holy Spirit if you're not doing what he says. So without holiness, we'll not see the Lord. We're commanded to do it, and I know that's difficult, but we've got to keep coming back to who is good here, my sinful heart or the God who gives me the Holy Spirit in Jesus Christ. But also, holiness is good. It says here, be holy because I am holy. It's a call to become like God, just like those pictures we saw earlier with the kids and the, and the parents. How can that be a bad thing? How can it be a bad thing that we would become more like Jesus or God? How can that be fun-ruining 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Holiness is about being transformed into the glory of God. That is crazily amazing for unholy people like you and I. That's not something that you say, oh yeah, just have a little bit of that. Is that okay? Can I just have a, I'll just have a half a cup? of the glory of God. I don't want to go the whole hog on that, thanks. Just a, I'm worried I might get a bit, you know, too glorious. So I'll just have half of that. Is that okay? Actually, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I might be a bit too glorious like God, so I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to. Would you be slightly embarrassed about being as glorious as Jesus Christ? It's the kind of thing that you say, isn't it? Yes, Lord. 
transform my utterly unglorious life and personality and existence into your glorious life and personality and existence. The cost of uh, here's uh, Amy uh, dear Michelangelo, who's uh, a writer, theologian. She writes, "Following Jesus costs everything." That's true, isn't it? But it offers infinitely more. That's true because we're being made in His likeness. So she says, "It is giving up our vain obsession with appearance for a greater beauty of Christ. It is giving up sexual impurity, even if that entails a life of celibacy." for the greater intimacy of knowing God. It is giving up power and fame for the greater glory of being called children of the Father. It is striving after love, peace, kindness and goodness for the greater reward of life in the Spirit. Holiness is good. The kingdom of God is good. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And then you've just got to contemplate how wonderful Jesus is, don't you? How wonderful he is. Think about Jesus, the most beautiful character that there's ever been. So amazing is his character and his love. Think of the effect he had on the whole world. Think of the extraordinary effect he had on the world. I mean, our dating system is made, isn't it, around him. So beautiful is his character. That is what we are being offered in holiness, to be like that. Romans 8.29, for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. It's God's plan before time to make you as amazing and holy like Jesus. So it's brilliant, isn't it? We're, we, we must do it. We're, we're commanded to do it. It's a brilliant thing to do. Becoming holy is also true spiritual worship. Becoming holy is how we worship. Romans 12, 1-2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. True spiritual worship isn't great music. We are blessed with great music here. It really helps. It is brilliant. But true spiritual worship is not amazing singing. It's actually being obedient to God and being different for him. Nor is it a spiritual experience, like speaking in a special voice, or you know, whether it's a soft one or whether it's in tongues. Actually... Your true spiritual worship, the one that shows who you love and who you worship and who you admire, is actually becoming more and more like Jesus, becoming holy, being set apart, not conforming to the pattern of this world. Uh, it's true of worship, isn't it? You know, if you admire someone, you become like them, whether it's a pop star or football player's hairstyle, or whether it's dressing like your dad and telling jokes like your dad, which I've sadly started to slip into, but it's because I love him. That's why I do it. Who you become like shows who you love and admire and worship. And Christians become like Christ because we love him and we worship him. So summary, without holiness, we won't uh, see God who commands us to be holy. Holiness is good, though, and it's our true spiritual worship. And so what do we do with this? Well, we've got to be holy. So how do we do that? Well, we put to, get, we put to death sin. 
So do not be conformed to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Don't do that. Get rid of that. Be a murderer. Deliberately kill sin. And do it like a weed. You know, with a weed, you've got two options, haven't you? You mow over the top, and it comes back. Or you get your spade out, and you dig the root out, and you surgically get down into the root and remove it, and it's gone. Every wrong behaviour that I have and you have is because of wrong thinking. This, what's it called? These, these desires you had when you lived in ignorance. They're still there. And we need to get down into where those are with a surgical question of why do I do that? Why do I feel that? Why is that? And you dig it out and you kill it. You put it to death. Our spade is the question, why? What, why is it I feel it's appropriate to do porn or drugs or alcohol or to gossip with others? What is it that I'm sort of self-medicating or I'm trying to fix? And as a church family, we do that for one another, can't we? By perhaps not asking directly why, but you might observe. Mate, you, just, you seem a little bit cross there. Uh, why, why is that? A bit disproportionate. Got to be humble, haven't you? Pride will never allow us to mortify sin. You've got to put in hard work. Are you ready to be disciplined about it and work hard? It's easier to indulge anger than it is to fight it. It's easier to indulge lust than it is to be self-controlled. It's easier to have a loose tongue than it is to restrain it. It's easier to indulge greed than to go without. It's easier to feel bitterness rather than to fight for forgiveness, isn't it? It's a fight. Are you ready to resist holiness and resist, uh, sorry, resist sin and resist it hard? Hebrews 12 talks about resisting sin to the point of shedding blood. And our same-sex attracted brothers and sisters know that, don't they? As they live for Jesus in a hostile culture. That's why it says here in 1 Peter, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. On that final day when Jesus comes, is he more likely to say, no, no, you took my words way too seriously there. No, yeah, actually, Edward, you, 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 you totally overdid it on the, holy, on the holiness. You were really overly zealous there. You, you should have dialed that down. Do you think Jesus is ever going to say that? He's going to say, okay, maybe I did, but he's going to say, welcome. It's a joy to see your love of me and your willingness to offer your life totally as a daily act of worship. worship. Welcome. The other thing that we've got to do here is, uh, well, we need, um, we need to pay attention to what we pay attention to, don't we? And this is what I'm going to finish with here. We need to pay attention to what we pay attention to. It says here, set your ho- uh, um, therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober. Are you alert and fully sober about what you pay your attention to? I want to help you pay attention to what you pay attention to because what you pay attention to forms you. And I think I really struggle with this, and this has really helped me. So we're going old school with a flip chart. Uh, I want to help you see uh, how you're being formed a bit and get you to think about that. So what are you letting form you? The world and desires of your heart, as according to here, or a holy God? So here you go. This is a, a, called a formation triangle, and it's been pinched from... There was a health thing which showed you 
how much food and of what type to eat in order to be healthy. Yeah? So you do a triangle. And broadly speaking, you put the really healthy foods at the bottom because you get the most of that, and then you put the junk foods at the top. They're nice, and you know, sugar is important for your brain to function. Kids take note. You can tell your kids, your, your, your um, parents that. But this shows you a little bit about the kind of actually how much and, in what, uh, and, and how good it is, really, for being healthy. But this is spiritually done. Now, I think I'm slightly embarrassingly put up what I think my life is like here. This probably isn't you, but I think this is what I do. I think the biggest diet that I have in my life is the screen and the internet. I think I spend about four to five hours a day, probably, on the internet, the social media, the blogs, the Reddit, whatever it is. Uh, and that is probably the thing that is forming me most. I'm, I'm probably. And then I probably next a bit on beauty and arts, you know, maybe pop songs I like to listen to in the radio, uh, Radio One or something, or, um, you know, I go and watch a film, Netflix, or um, that's probably the next thing that's probably forming me the most. And then books, um, I have this terrible habit of romantic literature written by someone called Georgette Hare, if you know who that is, hello to you, if you don't. Okay, that probably forms me next. And then I think probably the next thing that I spend most amount of time in is like nature and then church. And then probably at the top, I get maybe, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes of Bible every now and then, maybe in the week if I can. Do you, anyone recognize this? This looks totally, totally unlike, isn't it? Yeah. What are we being formed by here? It's this, isn't it? We're being formed by a screen and the internet. Now... The problem is, is there's not much holiness here, is there? Or holiness of the God. And so we're being formed by something that is not going to help us be holy. Let's have a look at it and flip it the other way up, okay? So let's say that we start here with, um, what was I going to put at the bottom? Oh yeah, let's start with this. And let's do it in this order because I think if you want to be holy, you want to hang out with God. God's special revelation to us is in his Bible. That is where we're going to get a holy God, isn't it? And where we're going to see how brilliant it is being holy. And so I want to spend time with that, definitely. And then the next thing we've got, what's, what, what did I put after that? I can't remember. What do you think the next one's going to be? Shout out? Church. Now, why is that lot of holiness in there? Here we go. Here's church. Why is there a lot of God's holiness here? You should be able to think that from the talk, because we did cover that. Many of you might have been asleep. <laughs> this is important because the church is where God's Holy Spirit dwells. When we gather, as two or three of us, that's where Jesus is. When we gather in here, when we're in our home groups, that is where God's Holy Spirit is. This is a place where we speak the truth in love to one another. This is the community of holiness that is going to shape us in holiness. Do you see how that works? We're going to spend time with people. And interestingly, do you see how the Bible's actually informing that? As the revelation of God and obedience to that makes church more and more holy, it becomes more and more of a holy generating community, doesn't it? The more you love one another, the more you're able to say to your brother or your sister, do you know what, you seemed a bit cross there. Can I ask, why is that? Are you okay? And then when it comes out, you can say, yeah, but remember, you're forgiven or they're forgiven. 
you know, then you grow in your holiness, don't you? In isolation, you are not going to grow in your holiness. In near, you know, it's ungodliness. The devil loves to get us on our own, to get us away from gathering physically with the people of God. Like COVID's been terrible for that, hasn't it? Church. What was the next one going to be? Um, was it nature? Yeah, I think let's go for nature. Okay, so why nature, do you think? Here we go. Nature, what do we see about the holiness of God in nature? Consider the heavens and the God who made them. How wonderful are his works. And the Psalms are filled with that, aren't they? And as we spend time outside, it's God's theatre in which he reveals his glory, isn't it? Interestingly, you can only know that if you've read the Bible. Yeah? And it never replaces this special revelation of God, but there is a revelation of God about how perfect and wonderful he is. You look at the diversity of colours, or the, uh, and you think, what a generous God. How loving. And then suddenly, actually, living for him looks really good, doesn't it? Because I know I've got a God who's generous and loving. So actually, being here and spending time here is a great thing to do. Um, what did I put next? Probably beauty in the arts, I would have thought. Oh, I do books. Okay. But it's not really just books. It's, it's kind of learning, isn't it? I'll tell you what the internet doesn't do, is it doesn't encourage you to sit down and develop critical thinking. This here is talking about us with minds that are alert and fully sober, about being able to discern what is best. Now, you might be very educated. You might have no education at all. That's fine. But actually, what happens here, actually, with this, is we're able to read arguments and spend time with other people and discern the holiness of God and what's best and what isn't. And say, actually, again, it's informed by the Bible, because that's our grid through which we see what is good. But we grow in skills and in views and understanding here, don't we? It's not as good as here or here or here, but it is nonetheless great. And then you've got arts and beauty at the top. We often miss this one off. But arts and beauty, why is that the holiness of God? Because it helps us to experience and to taste that Jesus is good. When you see a play, it might portray to you the desperate need of the world, the desperate need for holiness. Or it might portray to you and help you go home with the, how good holiness is. You might have a great song that you love. Many of you do. It's probably a Getty. And you love singing it ad nauseam. But that is art that is filled with holiness. And again, the Bible is the scaffold which tells us what's good and what isn't. It enables us to use that, doesn't it, in order to see the holiness of God. But this is enormously helpful in helping us grow in our holiness. And then finally, you've got at the top here, the internet and social media. You know, what... These things actually can be brilliant. How many of you have been sent a really encouraging verse by someone on WhatsApp? Marvellous. You know? But the problem is, is when we go on here without intention, we just, you're just on there. You just start scrolling. And do you know what? When you do that, you are captive to the algorithm which is taking... The desires you had when you lived in ignorance, it is taking those desires of your heart and it is feeding you more of that. That is what those algorithms do. 
So don't go on there without intention and just let that happen. Go online and use the internet with a view to increasing the holiness, to enable you to do all these things well. That's what this tells us. But can you see how this is so important for us? Because without this, we'd have no idea who God was, what holiness is, but it also is the scaffold that determines all the rest of this as well, isn't it? And that is what's going to help us. It might be just a helpful tool. You don't have to do that, but it might be a helpful tool just to help you think through, how am I going to grow in holiness this year? Because I want to. Because being set apart for God and being holy like him is brilliant. You know, if you're a youth here, being different from the world is about the hardest thing you can be asked to do. It's like being asked to stand up in a room full of people, isn't it? It's agony. But actually, you're going to need to be reminded that being like Jesus is brilliant. And your peers are going to want to see that. They're desperate for it. If you're suffering, my word, that is when holy people's suffering is one of the most, I need to say this right, is one of the most encouraging things about my ministry. I go and I hang out with people who are suffering but who have been holy all their lives and they tell me how good God is. And I look at them and I think, how can you say that in this situation? But they are choosing because they have chosen all their lives to glorify God and be like Jesus who went through all that suffering praising God. And so if you want to suffer well, and survive it. The holiness is what you need. Look, here's the vision for us. 1 Peter 2.9 You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you and I may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're holy so that we might declare the praises of him who's called us out of light. And so as Charles Spurgeon said, listen to this, let us show to the people of the world who think our religion to be slavery that it is to us a delight and a joy. Let our gladness proclaim that we serve a good master. Why not our drive for holiness be as much as we can do rather than as little? And so maybe over coffee, a question for you to ask one another is, look, what disciplines do you need help with? Prayer for. Is it your praying? Is it your reading? Is it being at church? Is it spending time in nature? Is it, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't have to be these things. What discipline do you, can I pray for you? Or please pray for me that I would be better at this. And then once they say, yeah, yeah, I'll pray for you, you can say, so what can I pray for you? Yeah, give that a go over coffee. Let's close the prayer. Lord God, we are blown away that you would make an unholy people like us your chosen royal priesthood, a holy nation. And Lord, I pray that you would encourage us uh, this year to grow in our holiness. There's so much good stuff going on in Emmanuel. I pray that you continue to help us to grow in that. Uh, I pray you'd help us to be holy because you are holy, Lord, and it is wonderful to be your holy people. Amen. 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 <clears throat>